uh, and love this brother to life, love his sweet wife, Lauren to life, and his three children. And um, he's the pastor, of course, of, of the Village Church in uh, Texas, Dallas, Texas, and we're excited for him coming here and spending time. One of the times that he was here, he had just had surgery um, from surviving uh, uh, cancer. And I uh, came here, bald like me, and stitches and everything, and still wanted to come preach the word of God here. Over the years, um, man, the village has probably invested between six hundred and fifty and seven hundred thousand dollars into the ministry here at Epiphany Fellowship. <laughs> and so we are we are just thankful for them and their investment here and their belief in that. And um, we are excited to hear him preach the word tonight. So welcome to the stage uh, from Dallas, Texas, Pastor Matt Chandler. What's up, baby? Well, it's always good to be back at Epiphany for me. I even dressed up for it tonight. I mean, if it's 10 years, let's do it, right? Um, so, so let me, if you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in Titus chapter 3, but while you're turning there, uh, let, let me just say this. I, I'm from a predominantly white culture. If you don't know what that means, that means we're a low honor culture. Uh, and, and what that means is that we don't usually spend much time talking about anybody um, we just get to the Lord and, and that's that. But, but the Lord always uses men. Uh, and so Paul clearly writes to the church at Rome that you give respect to whom respect is due and honor to whom honor is due. Now, so I, so I know, um, I've known a Eric Mason when, if you, you said Pastor Eric Mason, people say, who? 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 And, and we would say, this guy, this guy up in Philly, he's going to crush it. Huh? Yeah, Dallas Theological Seminary guy, brilliant. The, and Larry, here's the thing. Part of the reason why sometimes it's hard is not because he made the word up, but he's also super smart, so he's saying a word we don't know. <laughs> and so it kind of goes like, I'm like, man, is that slang or am I just an idiot? And so I'll Google it, and oftentimes it's I'm an idiot. It's like a real word. I thought he made it up, but he, he didn't. And, and so I say all that to say... Um, if you are a member of Epiphany Fellowship, here's what I can tell you about your pastor. Um, your pastor has wet many floors with tears for your soul. And, and so for whatever he is on the stage and for whatever he is as an author and whatever he is, as a, his heart is knitted with yours in a really beautiful and supernatural way. Um, and, and so I, I think I, I just want to say that, that you've got the kind of pastor here that the majority of evangelical churches in the Western world and maybe the globe would kill for. An embedded, in love with Jesus, passionate man of God that is for you and, and, and understands that his command towards you is not to come live off of you, but to come and die for you. And, and so, man, there's just not a lot of brothers, sisters like that any, anymore, and, and you got one. And, and so it's fun for me to be in a high honor culture where I'm watching my man get honored. Larry, great job tonight. So he, here's, here's funny, man. I, I get the call, hey, um, we're going to celebrate 10 years of PIF. Can you do it? Will you do it? And, and I'm like, we're doing it. We'll make this work. And, and then I don't know what domain you work in, but then I said yes. And then I was like, oh, dang, what, what am I going to say? Like, what do you say to Epiphany Fellowship on 10 years? And so I, I just kind of do what I do, which is 
just start to pray and look at the word and try to wrestle and wrangle with the Lord and, and go, okay, I, I don't, I can go exegete a text. That's not what I want. I, I want the Holy Ghost to like squeeze something on me. And, and not, not that, it, you know, the word of God is the word of God. I don't need the ghost to squeeze on me to exegete the word and let the spirit do the work, right? But because of my affection for this place, my history with this place, I, I wanted something in my gut, right? And, and so, so I, I got, I, I was piddling with this text and, and piddling's probably a, sacrilegious word I was working through this text and, and I and here here was the kind of just sentence that popped in my mind and again if you're if you're a little bit tighter and you're like well that's extra biblical then you and me are going to have that well, that's the least of our concerns what I just said there uh, just got a sense um, just a little sentence in, in my heart and and from there I wanted to start putting flesh around it and and here's the sentence um, what, what I wrote down in my journal that night was this, you guys aren't normal. And so if I was speaking Texan right now, I would say, y'all ain't normal. That, that, if, if we were in Texas, that's how I would say it, right? I, I wouldn't say you guys, because that'll get you killed in Texas, right? You've got to say, y'all aren't normal. Y'all ain't normal. And, and so here, here's what I mean when I say y'all ain't normal. Um, I, I've oftentimes wondered as I've read through the Word of God if people who were just being faithful with where they were really grasp what they were caught up in at the moment. So, so let me give you an example. I'm, I'm preaching through the book of Exodus right now at the Village Church. In fact, we're gonna, it's a monster book, so we thought we'd give it monster time. About 11 months in the book of Exodus, maybe a little bit longer. And, and I, I love the midwives. Like, what's their job? Deliver babies. What does Pharaoh say? Kill the firstborn sons. What is that? Our job's delivering babies. They're just faithfully doing what God called them. So here, I, do they know, as they're just being faithful, where they are with what God had called them to and what God gifted them with, that God was going to destroy the most powerful and most oppressive empire in human history in that moment simply by their daily, ordinary obediences? See, did they... Did, did they have a picture of what they were caught up in or, or had, had they just kind of gotten into a routine and forgotten some things? I, I wonder if the church at Antioch, tiny little Antioch, First Baptist Antioch, well, no, because th there's more, uh, First Pentecostal Church uh, of Antioch, right? I, I wonder if, if they've got any idea when they're praying and they're seeking God and the spirits has set apart for me. Paul and Barnabas. And listen, if that's my staff, I've got some arguments. You're, you're taking my two best guys and sending them out. Antioch's a legit city. All right? it, like it's, it's kind of like New York. It's kind of Hong Kong. It's kind of, hey, the nations. Are, hey, we ain't got to go to the nations. They're, they're three blocks now. And this, the ghost is going to call out Paul. Like you want Paul on your staff. Don't you? I mean, because I, I go to the hospital. I'm praying, please, Jesus, heal this person. Paul just walking up. Like, Get up. <laughs> He's going to the funeral home like, nah, not today. You ain't dying today. Like, I, I need that guy on my staff, right? And then Barnabas. You want Barnabas? Barnabas like a golden retriever. He's just always happy, right? Tail's always wagging. I mean, he's just always happy to see you. Always got a word of encouragement for you. Doesn't know anything bad about you. Can't see what's bad about you. He's just like, hey, man, glad to see you. You are amazing. Just praying this morning. Holy God, I love you. You're so, what would we do with, I mean, you want those guys on your staff. But the Holy Spirit says, set them apart, send them out. And, and here's you and I, 
We're in here today because this tiny little room in Antioch where some brothers and sisters held everything with an open hand and said there's a greater kingdom than ours. And here's, here's what I would swear by. Antioch in that moment had no clue what they were caught up in in regards to you and me loving Jesus and being in this room all these years later with the Word of God in our hands, the Spirit of God in our hearts. They, they would know nothing of North America. They would know nothing of, and yet here we are. So, so I just wonder, I just wonder how often we presume upon the Lord, and, and I wonder how often we're unaware of what we're actually caught up in in a way that robs us of joy and gratitude and expectation and eagerness that should mark the life of a Christian. So with that said, I wanted us um, to read this text. This text, um, I, I would say that Paul is tapping into his Hebrewness in this text. So let's look at it. Titus um, 3, chapter 3, starting in verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Now, now Paul does that all the time, right? Like he's a guy that I don't know that you want to invite to your party. He's that friend that's always bringing up where you screwed up back in the day, right? Like every time you say something spiritual, it's like, yeah, you weren't saying that in 10th grade. Like Paul is always bringing this. I, like I'm not making it up. Like in Romans 1, the first chapter, writing to the church at Rome, what does he say? Oh, hey, you, you love creation more than the creator. Who's he talking to the church? Oh, you also think you're smarter than God. You're like, hey, Paul, we're in Rome, man. God's doing cool things. You're failing to acknowledge God, right? He's just the guy. You're like, hey, man, can you not just give me a little bit? I'm getting better, Paul. Um, we see him do this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't be stupid. Like, right, this, he is not a brother you want to cuddle with, all right? This, this guy, he, he's just like always on. Don't be stupid, right? Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is, this is kind of what he does. Again, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, now, what I said is that in these texts, what you see is Paul's Hebrewness showing. Um, what, what I mean by that is for the people of God, as far back as the people of God go, God has commanded his people, remember. Remember, don't forget. And then he began to build out a system that was a system of fasts, feasts, and festivals. For what reason? To remember and because discipleship is not the assimilation of information, it's the formation of body, mind, and soul around the goodness and graciousness of Christ. So he says, you're going to fast, and you're going to feast, and then we're going to have a party. That's why I love what you're doing here, right? This is a distinctively Christian thing. The world has co-opted some of our feasts and festivals, but they will rarely join us in a fast. Right? They will rarely join us in a fast. And yet, this is what we've been called into. Some theologians call this the rhythm of grace. The rhythm 
of grace. And so, so Epiph, if I, could, if I could just spend a couple of moments with you, I, I would do what the Apostle Paul is trying to do here, and, and that would be to hearken you to remember. To remember, because y'all ain't normal. Let me highlight some of this. Um, here's something to think about. Some of y'all were prayer requests 10 years ago. Like some of y'all were prayer requests. Like far from the Lord, no interest in God. You thought all of this was a dream. Thought it was foolishness from your grandmama. And someone walked into a living room. Not this building, but a living room. Because this building wasn't a piffs. It was a living room. And they said, I got a friend. I got a brother. I got a family member. I got a, and some of y'all, like fourth generation, weren't in this room. You know what I'm saying? Somebody prayed for somebody who prayed for somebody who prayed who won you to the Lord, right? I mean, there's this lineage of faith now that started in this living room with people just going, Jesus, do something. Holy Spirit, save. Their heart is hardened. They're not interested. They think we're fools. They think we're bigots and blind. Do something, Holy Spirit. Ten years ago, some of you were just a prayer request. Now, now, although Paul in this text in particular is, is saying, hey, remember where you were when Christ saved you, right? But his Hebrewness goes deeper than that. It's not just remember where you were when Christ saved you, but remember all that God has done since. It's already kind of hinted at one of those. Like, like try to get your head around this. Epiph started in a living room with a tiny group of men and women Ask women asking the Holy Spirit to do something mighty. Now look at you. You ain't normal. You, you ain't normal. You, listen, I, I'm not a fool. I mean, I'm, there's areas of my life I'm a fool. But, but here's what I'll tell you. I, I'm not naive. We ain't in the suburbs. Yeah, you, you throw, a, you throw some, some kids in the suburbs, in a living room, you got a shot. This isn't where people come to plant. Can we have a real conversation? This ain't where people come to plant. I'll tell you how you plant. You look at socioeconomic climates. You look at where jobs are. You look at all sorts of variables that get you led by the Holy Spirit to plant. You, you don't go, there, there's no money, there's no community support, it ain't safe, let's go there. Right? Because here's the, so if I could just kind of pull the curtain back, because who's going to fund you? Seriously, who's going to fund you? Because what we want is results. Shouldn't we look for bang for our bucks? Like, like, if we got 100 k to spend, shouldn't I put it in a place that can duplicate itself? Like, shouldn't I be using math? Right? And yet, look at you. You ain't normal. There was a point in history at Epiphany that to move into this building, there was, by the grace of God, an interest-free loan of $150,000 that this community paid back within four years. That ain't normal. Um, let, I'll point out a couple more things about your history because here's what's funny. I, some of you, I don't know how long you've been around. Some of you are like, what? But yeah, I'll try to... Um, at, at, one, at one point in Epiphany's history, 
the, the, the people in the room, the congregation was made up of 50% of those converted to Christ at Epiphany. That's not only not normal, that's nearly unheard of. Evangelic evangelicalism in most parts of our country is a shuffling of the deck. Let me compete against the church down the street. And if my facilities or my programs are better than his, his people will leave his church and come to mine. But that isn't what happened here. And that ain't normal. Now, if you need any more encouragement, let me give you two words. Doug Logan. Now, what do I mean by Doug Logan? Because there's a lot we could say about Doug Logan. But, but here's what I mean about Doug Logan. Churches and urban centers historically are cash poor and therefore find it near impossible to reproduce and replicate. And, and the Holy Ghost at Epiphany smirked at that and said, yeah, we'll see who's got resources. And the one who has a cattle on a thousand hills said, I, I, I'll make the way. Like, listen, Epiphany, this, this place right here has planted between 14 and 15 churches globally. Right? Like, try to get your mind. This little living room in this place that, that math says don't go, but the Holy Ghost said let's go that by all measurable standards cannot duplicate and reproduce itself has duplicated and reproduced itself globally. So you, you need to remember that and marvel at that and be caught up in that because that ain't normal. It's not normal. But listen, the Lord doesn't have us always looking back at our past just for the sake of looking back at our past. Right? We look back at our past, and the Scripture's clear. There's some things we're to remember, and there's some things that we're supposed to forget. Right? There's some things that we're to let go of back there, things that might hinder, things that might overwhelm, things that might slow us down. So we're to, we're to think back, but that thinking back, that dwelling on what God has done as markers and moments and milestones in our life, and I'm not talking about our individual life right now, I'm talking about our corporate life. All right, so I, so I get it that Christ has called you and saved you, and you have a personal relationship with him. Yes and amen, but Christ is about forming a people. All right, and so you fit into a body. You are not the body. And so you are made in the image of God, valuable, beautiful, talented, gifted, a part of the kingdom, but you are not the kingdom. So he has called us to himself and to one another. And so we look at what's behind marvel at what he's done corporately because listen I, I love pastor mason but he ain't do all this Amen. Amen. i know him and listen i he's he's a smart man and he's a hard-working man and he wets the grounds with his tears but but this is well beyond any man's abilities uh, again like i just have i have a privileged position by being the president of the x29 church planning network of knowing there are 607 global churches now in Acts 29, six continents, 21 different languages, and I'm telling you, y'all ain't normal. And, and so we're looking back at yesterday and we're marveling at these things that God has done because God's got something for us today. So look at where he goes next in verse 4. 
But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, although we're going to cover that again in third point. So that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now here's something I want to show you. We're looking back. We were once this. This is what once was. And now this is what God has done. And what, I, what Paul's wanting to draw our attention to here and everywhere else he has this conversation is just how passive we are in the miraculous work of conversion. Right, look, if you read back through that text, you didn't do anything, right? Like, oh, see, I, I know some of y'all, I read your Bible, you ain't been to no seminary. Okay, let's go, verse four. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he did what? So who saved? So I know, I know someone's got a church back me. You know, I, I, re, I heard pastor, but listen, I, somebody preached a sermon at the church, the pastor gave that, you know, 20 minutes, I said, excuse me, excuse me, I walked down, I shook his hand, and then I, I repeated that prayer, you know, Father, I'm saying, Father, I'm saying, so I know I'm the one that walked down the aisle, so I, I'm not taking the aisle from you, you did walk down the aisle, can I tell you why you walked down the aisle? Because Christ saved you in your seat, because if that's not how it happened, then we're witches and not Christians. Right? We don't do incantations. You, don't get, you can't repeat a prayer after me and get saved. The, the Spirit's got to do that in your chair, and that's what sent you forward to shake that hand and repeat that prayer. Now, let's keep going. He saved us, but why did He do that? Not because of works done by us in righteousness, okay, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So who washed you and regenerated you? The Holy Spirit. You. Like, you ain't even shown up in this text yet except to be there. <laughs> Whom he poured out, so he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so he, here's what happens. When we look back on what God has done, yes, in us, but also with us corporately as a part of the body. And we begin to rest in and melt into His righteousness, His graciousness, His forgiveness, the freedom of performance, the ability to, the ability to rejoice with those who rejoice. You know why you can't rejoice with those who rejoice? Because if you're competing against them, then their win is your loss. But if they're your brother or sister in Christ and your rest is in the righteousness of Christ, then their win is your win. You know why you have a hard time mourning with those who mourn? Because if they're doing bad, that might be you being good. Right? Like if, if a brother's struggling and you ain't struggling, that might feel good. I ain't as bad as he is. Right? But, but that is the gospel unapplied. See, the gospel applied breaks my heart for my brother. The gospel applies means... Oh, God, help him. Breathe life back into him. Throw kindling on that flickering flame. It's grieved at the struggles of our brothers and sisters. It does not rejoice in their difficulties and sufferings and fallings. And it doesn't. And so what ends up happening is remembering back into what God has done and how God has worked, then the here and now begins to be filled 
with gratitude and gladness. So there's this, there's this, there's this way to gratitude and gladness, and I think that, that people have turned it upside down. It's certainly not the way the Bible says. It's not the route that the Bible gives for gratitude and gladness. Like, in our day and age, people are like, if everything will go like I want it, I can be grateful and glad. But the Bible's like, no, no, no. If you'll just turn your eyes to how good I've been to you, right? Like, even biologically speaking, physiologically speaking, you pulling out a piece of paper every morning and writing three things you're grateful for rewires how your brain fires and reshapes how you see the world around you. See, if you don't remember the goodness and grace of God, if you aren't anchored and rooted in what God has accomplished, you will always be prone to see what you don't have at the expense of what you do. Now, this is when Christians presume upon the Lord and make accusations against the Lord that are worth the wrath of God. Praise Jesus. See, this is why coveting made the top ten list, right? Because what's coveting except you have not been good to me? What is coveting except you have not given me what I deserve? So when you kind of read the Ten Commandments, you're like, oh, these aren't, have you heard people say, this is not that big of a deal? Lying? That's not a big deal. Coveting? Like, why would that be in the top ten? Because every one of those is an accusation against God. I can't trust you. You aren't good. You don't love me. You haven't provided for me. You haven't, right? These are accusations against God, but a familiarity with God's actions in the past and his power in the gospel, in the present, shifts our hearts to gratitude and gladness. And then that reshapes how we think about the future. So it's a, it's a funny time to be uh, alive. Like if you live online, um, which don't, you just shouldn't do that. Right, just it's got to just be a tough. Like I, I think about millennials. I, I think millennials are gonna be awesome. Everybody's like they're gonna kill everything. I think millennials are gonna turn this mug around. All right, I, I love those guys. I mean, they're crazy and licentious, and and that's what God tends to save and radically use. Uh, and so crazy, licentious people. Jesus, like, all right, y'all go on. All right, let me give you about ten more years of this. All right, get you a couple diseases, break your heart, and then I'm gonna rescue you and send you out. I mean, isn't that what he did to uh, Saul of Tarsus? Like, all right, go get it, Saul. Go get it. I'll, I'll see you on the way to Damascus. And does not Paul say in Philippians that it pleased the Father to reveal the Son to me? Like, you, you, you come try to kill my children. It will not please me to save you. There are some things that will please me. And your salvation would not be one of those. But this man who had breathed wrath and threats against God's children, who had mocked and shamed and belittled, who was the equivalent of an ISIS commander, it pleased the Father to reveal the Son to him. Look, I, I don't know what you're caught up in. Like, maybe, you may be limping in here going, oh, I'm just really struck. Can I? I love you. Will you get over yourself? Like, you, you have not outsend the cross of Christ, all right? You, you don't, you're giving yourself too much credit. You're like, you ain't that bad. You got to read the Bible, man. I mean, the Bible's making you look like pretty weak in your sin game. So what happens is we get reoriented around gratitude and gladness, and now that shapes how we see everything in front of us. Look back at verse 7. 
so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, see what Paul's doing here, again, again his Hebrewness is showing. Right? What, what he's doing now is, is doing what um, David wrote in the Psalms when he said, lift up your heads. Get your head up. Right? So now, rooted in what Christ has done, in the power of the Holy Spirit in the present, we now see tomorrow as our inheritance. There is no doom and gloom coming for us. Right? And so what is our inheritance? Well, I, I think we could do a full sermon on that. I won't do that to you, but um, here's what we know is our inheritance as sons and daughters of God bought by the blood of Christ. The Bible says that there'll be a new heaven and new earth that this one will have passed away and a new will come. So I, I don't know, as far as theology goes, some of you might ascribe to that kind of Jesus comes back in an X-wing fighter and drops two torpedoes in, the earth explodes, and we all get sucked out right before that happens. And, and that makes for good movies. No, it doesn't. That, that makes for bad <laughs> movies and worse theology. Because if, if God's got to destroy the earth to start over, that means the devil won something. And he doesn't get to win anything. So what we see in the scriptures is the earth remade. So the prophet Isaiah says that the deserts will bloom with roses, that the mountaintops will produce sweet wine, that the lion and lamb or the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, that the lion will chew hay like the oxen, that creation will be reborn. Um, I, I love this idea. In fact, I read it in Augustine's book, City of God. He, he says Rome's about to fall. I mean, it's about to get sacked and destroyed. And he's looking out, he, North Africa, looking out at the ocean, sun setting on the waters. And it's that kind of beautiful hue on the water, in the skies. And he says, if these are the beauties afforded to sinful men, what does God have in store for those who love him? Right? Well, that, thank you. That's, a, that's Augustine. That's not mine, but I thank you for that. And so we, you get this new heaven, this new earth. All things remade, and that's part of our inheritance. But, but let me lay this before you. One of the things that the Holy Spirit of God is doing right now is using His children in a very real way to prepare the way. Now, I am not, I do not think you and I work towards utopia here in, on earth. I think utopia is coming. We just get to play. So, so much of what God invites us into is this kind of cosmic go to work with dad day, right? Like dad's doing some things. He's going to let you watch how he does it. Like, listen, if you've ever led anybody to the Lord, that's take your kid to work day. You know this. You didn't save them. Gosh, have you ever found in that moment, like you're talking and all of a sudden you're like, man, that's good. Where'd that come from? I forgot I knew that verse. All right, so there's two things happening. There's two things happening in that moment. Uh, the first is that you've been around good teaching and you've been around people where you're absorbing because we learn more by osmosis than we ever do any other way. And the second thing is the Holy Spirit's using you in ways that are in line with the heart of the Father. So you, you begin to be used by God to push back the darkness, to prepare the coming of the Lord, this time not as a baby, this time on the back of a horse with a sword in his hand, tattoo on his thigh, coming to reign and rule forever. And the Bible says that transgressors in that day will run 
to hide from the Lord and the mountains will flee in the presence of God. That the mountains are like, uh-uh, and they're getting out of there too. You ain't, not, you ain't getting that on me. And, and they will flee. And so you and I, even now, so let me, here's one of my favorite Epiphany Fellowship stories. And, and these are, there, there are these hundreds of little things, if I had the time, that I could go, here's some ways I knew God was in this. Like in a profound way. So um, Pastor Eric had come down to the village and, and preached, and uh, then he and I went, and um, we were just having dinner, and a man in our church named Jay, um, Jay owns a company that builds industrial playgrounds all over the world. He builds them for schools. And he just walks up to Eric and I at dinner and says, Pastor Eric, man, that was so incredible. Just thank you so much for that word. And I'm like, man, I am sitting right here, bro. You ain't going to say low honor culture. That's it's my cross to bear. And, and, um, and so he says to Eric, he's like, hey, the Holy Spirit told me I need to come up to Philly and, and build you guys a playground so y'all can minister in that neighborhood. Now, here's the thing, that, that E and some of the elders, I'm sorry, Pastor Eric and some of the elders ha, had been praying, how are we, how we going to engage this? Man, what would be great is if we could build a, you know, where are we going to get the funds? For? I didn't know any of that. He hadn't shared that with me. We're just eating dinner. And Jay, prompted by the Holy Spirit, who, who's not like super deeply involved at the village. <laughs> right? I was like, say, man, we need a playground. We ain't got no playground. just sees us from afar and is prompted by the Holy Spirit to come and say, we need to put a, a nice playground in your neighborhood so you can serve the people of your neighborhood. Like that, that that's the Lord pushing back what's dark. When you're out here um, prayer walking and seeing how you can serve the community, that is a spiritual act of violence. That is a spiritual act of violence. Listen, been in the game 22 years. I just don't know the devil's really nervous about preaching all the time. But you get folk walking around the neighborhood praying, calling stuff out. See, now, now we're, like we're in his space. Or what he assumes is his, right? So what is that? That, that is, like, why are you out there doing that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you think God's up to something. And you've got this history that shows you that God's up to something. And you've got this present reality at some level that the Holy Spirit of God is filling you up with gratitude and gladness. Because if you're not, you don't have at least the first fruits of that. You ain't walking around the neighborhood declaring anything. You're navel-gazing. I wish I was better. I wish I wasn't so right. You're not in the fight. You're on the sidelines whining about how you wish you could be someone else. But if you remember and you've paid attention and you're rooted in the gospel in the here and now, you can head out into that turf unafraid and be a part of pushing back the darkness. It reframes and reshapes our future. New heavens, new earth. And then we get, and I love this one, resurrected bodies. I didn't always love that one, but I'm 42 now. I love this one now. <laughs> See, there's been, this, there's been this change in me over the last couple of years. Um, I can still do what I used to do, it just, it's different when it's over. So I, we have um, about 40 interns at the village and I go play basketball with those. They're all like 20, you know, 22, 24. And I'll go play basketball with them on Tuesday. And here's the thing, like the next day, they're like, y'all wanna play again? I'm like, dear, uh, I'm good. I'm all right, man, once a week. I can't go more than once a week anymore, but I don't, 
Like, I don't remember. When I was 22, I could do that. So here's how I, I got to tell myself this. They ain't going to look like me when they're 42. <laughs> Which is just evil, but that's how I comfort myself. <laughs> like, let's see where these fools are when they're 42. <laughs> right? I, I am at that age where sleeping can be hazardous. Like, I've hurt myself. I mean, my, my girl is right. My wife is right here. Like, I have woke up and like, uh-oh. And I didn't do anything but sleep. So confession time, can I confess? I got a special pillow. I really do, I've got that weird kind of like old man pillow now, all right? So I don't hurt myself sleeping. But there's, there's coming a day, there's coming a day, according to 1 Corinthians 15, that my body will not grow weary, that it will not get tired, so I don't, I don't know, like when you, um, I love watching, I love watching Jeremiah lead us in worship. It's what I think heaven might be like. Um, but like, did you see that brother get tired a couple of times? Like you're like, and he was like. He had to, he had to get, he had like water with electrolytes in it. Where are you? He had water with electrolytes hidden over here so that dude could rehydrate so he didn't die. Now. Everybody, everybody, when we worship the Lord in gladness, will do this. We'll hit a ceiling. Our voice can't roll up another octave. We got nothing else to give, man. We just hit that ceiling because we're stuck in this thing. Right? I was meant for more than this little frame can give me. I, I was made for deeper and longer praise. To be more consumed with awe and wonder and I can't, and I can't because I can't get loud enough, and I can't move quick enough, and I can't, sometimes I just feel like I'm going to explode. You know what that is? That's what's in me wanting its new body, and so I've got that coming. That's part of our inheritance, and that's, and look, I don't care who wins the presidency. I got that coming. I got that coming. I ain't afraid of what's next for us. What can man do to me? And then lastly, Lastly, and most important, you know what your inheritance is? You get God. Unfettered, unblocked, no longer by faith, right in front of us, Jesus. So what do I want for you? Here's what I want for you. I, I want Epiphany Fellowship to continue. See, this is, what's so, this is why I want to come, because there, no, I got no rebuke. I got nothing but keep going, guys. Right? I, I want greater awe for Epiphany Fellowship. He, here's why. The spirit of our age is disenchantment. Doubt? Can he really? Like, so let's stop for a second. Like, we believe some crazy stuff. Right? Like, I, I believe that God turned all the water in Egypt to blood just to kill a fake God. I, I, I believe that God parted the Red Sea. I, I believe that a virgin gave birth to a little boy who happened to be God in the flesh. And I believe he lived a perfect life where that God told storms to stop and they listened. He told dead people to quit it and they came back to life. That he cursed fig trees and they shriveled up. 
that he was beaten, abused, nailed to a cross, absorbed all the sin of mankind who would believe upon his name, past, present, and future, fully, freely, and forever, once and for all, and then resurrected to show that death was dead. Like, I believe that. But I will, so this is my confession, I will still at times doubt some things that are a lot more simple than that. I'll find myself praying for a family member and just going, man, I don't know. The air, the spirit of this age is disenchantment. Nothing is magical. Nothing is miraculous. There is nothing beyond what we can see, taste, touch, hear, and smell. And it has chained and trapped people something fierce. And we are fools to think it has not affected us. So Christian, let me encourage you this way. Martin Luther said, faith is a wrestle with doubt. So the skepticism that marks our day, we don't pretend that it doesn't exist. We wrestle and know that the Lord is never dismayed with our wrestle. We have an empathetic high priest. He knows it's scary to be us. We just watch how the Lord behaves around his people. It's stunning. Like when, when he, he tells you, hey, keep praying, keep asking, keep. Tell me you didn't grow up in a home where if your daddy said, keep asking, that wasn't a veiled threat. <laughs> huh? Like, see, I don't know your background, but if, if my daddy said, ask me one more time, he's not saying to ask him one more time. Like, there's some really bad things that are going to happen if I go, okay, can I have a snow cone? I mean, that, that's going to go really bad. But yet our father says, ask me again. Ask me again. Hey, ask me again. Ask me again. And who says, come all who are weary and heavy laden? Hey, so quick question. Don't be overly spiritual. You're throwing a party at your house. You, you're going, hey, who are the socially awkward people? Who are the ones that's like going to freak out with anxiety and be in the corner, kind of rocking, pulling their own hair out? Because that's who we're inviting. And yet, it's the God of the Bible that says, filled with doubt, my people. You struggling? Get in here. You lonely? I got you. You think there's no way out? I'll show you the way out. Come here. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I want you to grow in awe. To be a people marked by being enchanted, overwhelmed, marveling at. And then I want you to remember, be anchored in, and be always confident that salvation belongs to our God. So 10 years ago, some of you were just prayer requests. And maybe it wasn't you that was that original prayer request. It was the guy that led you to the Lord that was the original prayer request. So, so here's what we know. So here we are, Thursday night. By the grace of God, aware of what's behind the veil. Like the people that are in this neighborhood that have no desire to be in here, they got no clue what's behind the veil. But we do. And here's what's going to happen. In the next year, in the next two years, in the next three years, in the next five years, they will come to be among us, the saints of Epiphany Fellowship. Yeah. Why? Why can we be so confident? Because Jesus did not die for those who might be saved. 
He died for those who will be saved. And so now what he's doing with the pivot is going, hey, I'm going I'm to go to work here. You guys want to come? And so I want you to always be confident in the might of God to save. So just a quick thought. I mean, this, we're, what, 10 years? What's 10 years on a timeline? Now, if you're in your 20s, you're like, that's half my life. But if you're a little bit older, you're like, 10 years, good Lord, that's like that. I mean, I got a 13-year-old daughter. 10, 10 years feels like nothing. Like, what, what does he have next? So here's something I like to do at the village. So here, here are my Bibles right here. So the, the Word of God's over here, authoritative, applies to our life, is there, but, but conjecture. To just go, what might he do? What, what is he up to? Because 10 years ago, we didn't see Dougie Logan coming. We didn't see Brandon coming. We didn't see, we, we didn't see 14, 15 churches around the globe that are Epiphany Fellowship sponsored, started type churches. We didn't see a lot of you. What might the Lord have next? So, so here's what we know. Again, I'm, I'm all, I'm just saturated in Exodus. Pharaoh just hell-bent on destroying God's people. And the more he pressed them and the more impossible it felt, the more the noose tightened around his neck and the chains loosened off the hands of his people. What might the Lord have for us next? I just don't think you could have dreamed what you have now. I think if we would have whiteboarded this mug 10 years ago with E there, had passed it, we had the whiteboard, what, what are we going to look like in 10 years? Listen, every, everything stood as this right here is impossible. This right here can't happen. No way to sustain this. No possible way this goes well. So when, when all of that's in your face, what are you going to whiteboard? We're going to have really small things. Well, it would be great to have 60 people faithfully attending and... You know, we're going to have to figure out how to fund it. And, you know, it'd be great to have some decent music. And I mean, that, that's where you're like, hey, 10 years from now, we're going to believe big for this. And the Lord would have smirked. He's like, yeah, all right, I got something for you. So now that we know some of what he's capable of, can we not expect all the more for the next 10? And, and hear me, there ain't anything selfish about that when i was um diagnosed with cancer um pastor mason mentioned it earlier they gave me two to three years to live and i pleaded with the lord i want to walk my daughters down the aisle i want to see my son become a man i want to grow old with my wife i want this lord and i'm open-handed i'm yours but i'm to i want this and these are not evil asks and I'm probably being selfish you're my king but I want these things pray selfish prayers for God in Philadelphia pray selfish prayers for your own relationship with him you let the Lord worry about correcting your selfishness you just pray big crazy prayers of what you want to see God do in you and around you and through this place and so I'll just end with this and pray a blessing over you y'all aren't normal let's pray holy spirit of god we praise you for abnormalities 
praise your name, Holy Spirit, that you have chosen by nothing but the mercy in your heart to do something here. And we've benefited from that. My soul has benefited from your work here in this place. That I am a man more captivated by you because of Epiphany Fellowship. That I am a leader more confident of your work in hard places because of your work here. And, and I thank you, and we just agree with our brother Job that all of creation are but the fringes of your power. And so if these are just the fringes of your garments, forgive us for not dreaming bigger and asking for more. And Father, we know that so much of what is at the foundation of faith in this country was birthed in this part of the country. And so we ask that you might pour yourself out in rich and beautiful ways, in ways no man can take credit for, in, in ways that as it's studied and looked at and picked apart, as most assuredly it will be, there, there would only be two words to say but God. And so we ask, Holy Spirit of God, pour yourself out in power, pour yourself out in might. Be mighty to save. We thank you for our brothers and sisters who don't know there are brothers and sisters yet that right now they're watching TV or, um, Father, pursuing the lusts of their flesh. They're using all the skills and natural abilities that you've given them towards waywardness. And yet you, the hound of heaven, through the prayers of family members and friends and coworkers in this place, will soon open their eyes to see, their hearts to believe, and they will be accounted one of your sons and daughters, and one of our brothers and sisters. Pray a blessing over this place, Holy Spirit of God, that you would fill it with laughter, fill it with joy, fill it with fasts, feasts, and festivals. So even as we move through the week, and I know tomorrow night, Pastor Dates is just incredible, and then, ah, to just celebrate together this weekend. It's a distinctively good, right Christian thing to do. We love you. Bless your name. It's for your beautiful name, I pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much.